Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is a bonus episode of the Working Singer Podcast. I am so excited that you're here, and I am super excited about our guest today. So today I am doing the first ever listener spotlight, Um, and I just kind of decided I was going to do this. You know, I had interviewed our guest today, the wonderful Stacey Griesbach, um, I met her months ago and she started listening, listening to the podcast and she sent me a Facebook message, you know, just saying how much it's helping her and could we go out and have coffee and just talk. And we did. And she is just the most delightful person. And I loved her story so much. And I felt like um, so many of us could relate to Stacy's story, being a singer being at that crossroads of, am I going to make a full-time career of this, or am I going to go into a full-time corporate job? I've got college debt. I got to do the practical thing. And, you know, and so Stacy did the practical thing for many years, um, which we've all done, which I've done. I could totally relate to that, and I can relate to all of the feelings, um, you know, but guess what? I mean, healthcare is awesome. Being able to pay down your debt is awesome. So I get it. Anyway, so excited for Stacy, um, for you guys to hear her story. I know you guys can relate. Um, and I just want to get into it. I want you to hear this. It is such a wonderful conversation. It's such a beautiful conversation. It is so authentic. It is so relatable. And it's just so real. And, you know, I'm really excited because, you know, Stacy. Um, We'll talk about how she was laid off from her job and just decided, you know what, I'm going to take that leap. I'm going to do the thing I always wanted to do. Why not? Now is the time. It is now or when is it going to be? You know what I mean? And she had that conversation with herself. And I know so many of us have had that conversation with ourselves about just allowing ourselves to do the things that we want to do with our lives because you know if not now then when 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 you know what I mean so I'm just excited about this I love it um without further ado the delightful bubbly beautiful Stacy Griesbach Stacy welcome welcome to the show I'm so excited that you're here well, hi. I'm doing very good, and I'm so excited to be here. Awesome. I'm excited that you're here. So let's um, let's get right into it. So let's tell people how we um, got into contact with each other. Um, I think you were listening to the show, and you reached out to me on Facebook, I believe. Yeah. Well, I, you mean how I stalked you? Yes, the stalking. Uh, the professional <laughs> stalking. No, you know, I think that's one of the things about you and your podcast that is so approachable and welcoming. Hmm. Um, you know, originally I, I just was searching um, the podcast world and in general, kind of looking for singer, uh, singer and vocal um, resources, yeah. tools that might help me as I you know, jump into this new career. And, um, and I stumbled upon your podcast and yeah. immediately started listening and thought, I mean, it was really insightful and helpful. And there were a lot of tools that I could use. And so, um, yeah, that's when I reached out to you and you were gracious enough to have a lunch and yeah. hear my story. And here I am today. I know. I'm so excited. And you know, I, I, I loved that you reached out. I love, I've been loving getting to know you. I think you're just so wonderful. And um, everything that you said was exactly what I wanted to do for singers, you know, because 
I know when I was starting, uh, starting out, there weren't a ton. I mean, there wasn't, the internet was still new. I'm dating myself, but <laughs> you couldn't like research. <laughs> it was hard to research stuff like this. You just kind of really had to get out and, you know, you, it's still kind of like that, but you know, at least at this point you can Google something and kind of know where to go. Where like back then, you know, it was just like, the wild wild west <laughs> right no man's land and you just had to kind of you know hear about stuff and really talk to people where that's not bad either you know so um but you know we've got the extra added benefit of podcasts and google and you know the internet so it, it's awesome so yeah i agree yeah so we're gonna get into you know um just kind of your journey because i i thought it was extra interesting you know i wanted to talk to you i think uh, because your story is like so common you know for a lot of us mm -hmm. singers you know um and so i only want to say that i want you to tell your story but okay. um, <laughs> but so i'm just gonna let's just dive right into it so where are you from where'd you uh, grow up well, so I grew up in the great land of Wisconsin, the Midwest, mm -hmm. uh, Northeast Wisconsin, just outside of Green Bay on a working farm. And uh, I grew up literally with uh, cattle grazing and, you know, growing alfalfa and corn and one brother and my parents and we worked on this working farm. Um, it was kind of a wonderful lifestyle and in some ways almost bucolic now in terms of how you know that is sort of a lifestyle of the past mm. so i really feel privileged to to have been raised um in such a great great part of the of the world mm. yeah and what was uh home like was there a lot of music playing was your family into music oh but there was music always on um you know ever since i well, I started um, in our old farmhouse when my parents bought it. There was a 1920s upright Wellington piano. Mm. And it was one of those beautiful, gorgeous wood pianos. And from, you know, the earliest age, I can remember begging my parents for piano lessons. Mm. It was either piano or tap dance. And mom said, well, you've got to choose one. So I always said later when I was performing, that's why I was more of a singer mover than a singer dancer. But anyways, right. we'll get into that. <laughs> um, but, you know, I started taking piano lessons at age seven. Um, and growing up on the farm, I mean, it was really traditional kind of country music playing. Um, you know, my mom listened to the radio. We always had the radio on and mm. it either varied from country music or oldies to on the weekends, you know, uh, she would turn on the Glenn Miller Orchestra um, and some of the big band jazz. And then also um, the polkas, you know, my mom always played polkas after church. I mean, that was kind of a tradition. So oh, wow. I guess there's a little bit of that Midwestern that comes out. Yeah. And then um, how did you uh, start singing? How did music come about for you? Well, you know, I, after, like I said, around age seven or so, I started taking piano lessons. Yeah. And about that time, you know, you're in school and everything for me, I was always attracted like a, like a, a moth to the flame when it came to music classes. Mm. So whether it was choir programs or, um, you know, joining the band at, in the fifth grade with my alto saxophone, mm -hmm. um, you know, I was always involved in whatever music program that we had at the school, um, you know, auditioning for solos and going after, after singing. I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed, you know, even as a kid, I remember, you know, in our kids choir, 
uh, you know, what were we, seven, eight, nine years old? And we would go through and we would mark lyrics and we would be learning notes. And there was something about that process that I just loved. It was magical. And, um, you know, every time we'd get a new song and we'd have to mark off the lyrics and mark off our parts, it was like, you know, I was a kid in the candy store and I just, yeah. I really loved it. I, and, um, you know, growing up then through high school, um, you know, I, I got involved more. We had a musical at our, my senior year, we did Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Mm. And uh, the choir director selected myself and one other um, singer who is now a professional singer. She's done some off-Broadway, but she's also a main um, singer in the Chicago area, Emily Rome. Mm. And Emily and I did co-narrator. So we, we split that narrator role and that was really my first experience in full stage performing. Mm -hmm. And I just loved it, you know, but I was involved in the jazz band, in the jazz choirs, um, you know, the marching band, I was a cheerleader, I was in forensics and theater. Mm. And for me, for me, school was really an experience to explore the arts and explore myself yeah. uh, and grow up, you know, and I think in those, in the Midwest, you know, especially at that time and dating myself, this was the late, you know, the late 80s, you know, we had, we had those resources, we had the experiences available to us. Right. And so I just jumped right in. Mm, I love it. Um, so you graduate from high school and then what happens? Well, you know, the University of Wisconsin was uh, Madison is where I went to school. And I can't say enough. I, I'm a Badger. Go, go, you dub. <laughs> um, and, you know, I, I, when I went to school, I knew I wouldn't have my piano. So my good girlfriend from school had a guitar that she got from an ex-boyfriend. And I paid her $100 to buy her guitar off her so I'd have mm. something in my dorm room. Mm. And so I taught myself guitar and I auditioned for, um, so that was kind of on the side, you know, I do a little songwriting and, and learn my three chords and the truth, right. you know, to play my country songs. And, um, and then I got uh, interested in this group called the Wisconsin Singers. And um, I auditioned and spent three years with the program. Mm. And it was, we were 16 singer dancers wow. and a nine piece band. And we traveled around the state of Wisconsin opening. We had, we had um, you know, a local, the local choirs from the schools perform and open for us. Mm -hmm. And then we gave, you know, a 90 minute show. And it was really awesome. I mean, we did hundreds of shows a year. And, you know, wow. we did our own props. We did our own load-ins, load-outs. Um, we had our schedule. We kept to it. You know, we had rehearsals, and we could not miss them. They were mandatory. So it gave us, um, you know, that, that program really gave me a good look at, you know, what the entertainment lifestyle mm. looked like. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people ended up going on to performing, uh, you know, in Broadway, on cruise ships. And so naturally, when it came time for me to graduate, mm -hmm. I thought, well, do I, do I make the, the jump into a cruise ship opportunity? Mm. Or at the time, I was studying, uh, I went to school to be a veterinarian. And then through the path, as we do, we change and, and morph. And I got into journalism. I really like to talk. <laughs> and I thought, and I like to connect with people. And so I thought if there's a business that involves that, uh, why don't I explore it? So I did a few internships in sales and marketing. And then I also did a public relations internship with a, a, an agency. And so graduating, I had two opportunities. One, I could 
ex, you know, perform on a cruise line and mm-hmm. move out to Los Angeles and, and, you know, go that route mm-hmm. or move to California and work with this PR firm. And that was really a crucial moment for me mm. um, on so many levels. I think back to that time you know, you're graduating, you're on the top of your game, right? Yeah. You think you've got the wind at your back, that nothing can hold you down. Mm -hmm. And on some level, that's so true. But I also had college debt and I had to pay the, my college loans off. Yeah. And so, you know, part of it, you know, I've, I've, I've reflected on this over the years and I think, you know, however much you want to find something or someone to blame, I think it becomes about your internal belief systems and, you know, to me, I had never really put music or performing as in this professional job category. Mm-hmm. You know, um, to me, it was always something that was fun. It was something I did on the side. And I didn't know, could I actually make money doing it? Mm. And was I willing to take the risk at that time? Mm. And I think the easier, the safer <clears throat> bet for me was to pay the bills by taking this uh, career. Mm-hmm. But it was, it's been lovely. So I, I ended up, um, you know, moving to California mm-hmm. and uh, starting a role as an assistant account executive with a PR firm, a, a global PR firm. And that kind of started me on a trajectory that, you know, um, really took my career in, in a different way. Mm. Yeah. So then how long were you, how long did you stay with that? How long did you do that? Well, I started, I started with the agency in Northern California and that would have been for a couple of years. And then, you know, I really wanted to do, again, I was still interested in music and entertainment and I had auditioned right away when I got to the firm, um, you know, for some opportunities up there and they, they, they coincided with other work uh, obligations. And I found that that was sort of another sort of cross point where I realized that I needed to, you know, buckle down and really focus on the job. I was now out in California all by myself. Yeah. And, you know, on some level, I'm very glad I did. Um, You know, I ended up moving from that firm down to Los Angeles to another PR firm and working on entertainment clients. And then that eventually transitioned uh, to another firm where Sony Pictures was my client. And Sony ended up having an opening and invited me over to join their team. Uh, And I spent nearly 15 years there at the studio. Wow. So, um, you know, it, it really had its own path that opened up for me. And, you know, as the little farm girl from Wisconsin, it really offered me an opportunity to expose myself to this bigger world of entertainment yeah to grow up in it if you will and to learn and and build my professional skills that have come into play now as i'm looking to embark on a new career mm. you know yeah and music music has never left my side i mean i have always even when i first uh you know like i said i went to my college dorm and i bought that mm. guitar yeah you know, that was, that had to happen. And then when I moved to California, I had to go off Craigslist. This was when Craigslist was a thing Mm -hmm. to buy a keyboard. You know, could I find a keyboard? Could I have, I always had to have access to a piano and to a mute, to music. Um, It's never been, it's never left my side. Mm. So then what happened uh, with the last, that position with Sony? What uh, had that transpire? 
Well, you know, I worked in a, in a division for the studio that was really transactional. So we handled all the movies and the TV shows as they uh, arrived on Blu-ray or DVD, or you could own them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as we're noticing with a lot of subscription services coming out, uh, even for music, you know, we as a consumer, even yourself included, possibly, you know, we, we, we listen to music, we watch TV and we watch movies very differently than we did 15 years ago. Yeah. And so with the business changing, my position was eliminated. Um, I ended up uh, on my a, a big birthday trip to Greece mm -hmm. and I came back and I was notified um, of this major change. And you know, it was major for me. Um, the studio was kind of home. It was uh, an opportunity. It was a family for me. And, but at the same instance, something I knew in my bones was about to change because while I was in Greece, I actually launched my Kickstarter for my first album. Oh, wow. And part, part of that was part of my process of this milestone birthday mm. and realizing that we have more power than we think as human beings to do what we want to do while we're here on earth. Yeah. And I think that's a, that was very powerful for me. And once I, once I put that energy out there, um, you know, my, my trajectory has since been kind of moving in that direction. Mm. Yeah. So when did you, so you're basically effectively laid off from the job. Then. Yep, that was back in September of last year. October was my last uh, my last days with the company. Yeah, and you know it was an it was a magical career. I mean, you know, working with um, you know working with talent, working with filmmakers, being you know involved with these creative yeah. executives. It was it was really interesting for me to to learn about the business side of things. Yeah. I always. You know, I, I very much have a business mind, but I also have this creative side. And what I was yearning for was really using my creativity and letting that blossom. And I think, you know, that's part of that feeding your soul component that wasn't being fed because I was, you know, in this day job working, you know, in a very good day job in a very wonderful, you know, industry. Mm -hmm. um, but I would come home at night and, you know, taking jazz piano lessons or working on arrangements and to sit at my piano was, you know, a little taxing. You've worked your whole day then to come home. It, it was a little bit of a, it was, it was, it required a lot of energy. Yeah. And so it's been, it's really been a blessing now this last year to focus wholly on, you know, my music, uh, singing yeah. and, you know, performing and this, the arrangements for what is coming out as my new album, yeah. um, which I'm really excited about. So, yeah, that's awesome. So tell us, um, actually <laughs> for one second, let me just, you know what I, I'm no, I notice and I appreciate is that, you know, and it, it's okay if it's not true for all of us, but I do, uh, love that you, you know, you were in a career, an actual like career that you loved and enjoyed, which is not always the case. Many of us get into these jobs or their jobs, and we're just kind of a cog in the wheel, and we are dreading getting up or dragging. You know, it's just uh, it, it, life sucks, and <laughs> you know we want to do <laughs> we want to do the thing we want to do, and, and we just feel stuck. You know. 
Um, so well, and uh, don't get me wrong. Yeah. I mean, it was an all rose colored glasses. Of course, there were days yeah. where, and especially towards the end, you know, of my my time there, you know, when you're embarking on a transition and you know there's a transition coming or you feel it yes you know those the, the the last parts of whatever that transition is it becomes hard because it's almost like that process is dying whatever mm. that is is transitioning mm. and you're you're getting ready for a new you to, to show up yeah. and so yeah there were moments where you know i i just wanted to i get you know, get back from the gym and make my coffee and shower and sit at my piano for 15 minutes and be so sad that I had to go into the office because all I wanted to do was sit at the piano and play my new arrangement, you know? Yeah. So I, I hear that. And I think, yeah, I was, I, I do have to say I was fortunate that I loved my job for so long Yeah. and that I had such a great, a great experience. Um, you know, yeah, I think it, I, I was blessed. Yeah. So before you'd left your job, you said you started your, your Kickstarter for, um, for your album. So how, how, uh, how has that evolved in it and everything? Yeah. Well, you know, I started, so while I was at Sony pictures, you know, um, I, yeah, I realized I was giving a lot to my career and that's just kind of my MO. I'm, I'm a, uh, if anybody that knows me knows I give my all. Yeah. And, um, but what I realized is, you know, I wasn't really dating. I didn't have much going on on the outside. And I thought, I need to get back into music. And I started, um, I was looking around. I lived in Santa Monica and I was looking around for, there's got to be like a community group that I could join or some way to get back into music. And I ended up researching and finding the Santa Monica College Vocal Jazz Ensemble. Mm. And I auditioned for them and I performed with that group for three semesters or so. Mm. And it was really my first, um, it was the opportunity to really get, get smart about and learn about jazz. And I ended up going on Amazon and buying a few books. And one of them was um, published by Michelle Weir. And Michelle is a teacher. She, she's with UCLA, mm. but she also um, teaches privately. And I reached out to her and I said, I would love to relearn piano in the jazz format. Mm. Would you teach me? And so I started lessons with her back in 2012 or 2013. Mm. And so a combination of, you know, keeping, learning some jazz piano, uh, two five ones, just so right. I could accompany myself at home and play some of the songbook standards. And then I, about 2015, I decided it was time to really get out there and start gigging. Yeah. And I reached out and secured a residency at one of the hotels here in Hollywood, oh. the Lowe's Hotel. Yeah. <clears throat> and played there pretty much two Fridays every month. Mm. And it was an opportunity to sing through my book, to create a book. I had about a hundred tunes and really go through, you know, what the process is to, you know, be on the front of a trio and, mm. you know, manage the process, yeah. manage the performance. Um, and it was a little bit challenging because a Friday night after working my full time job yeah. all week, then to drive to Hollywood and Highland, we all know what the traffic is like. Oh my God. So <laughs> it was, it was challenging, yeah. you know, but it, but it, but it was so rewarding because mm -hmm. it was an opportunity to get out there and present music and mm -hmm. connect with people. And that's what I really liked. Yeah. However, what I would say about that is 
Um, and I know, you know, there are singers that listen to this podcast that are out there working constantly. Um, you know, for me, part of the, the joy of performing and the joy of singing is actually connecting with people. Yeah. You know, for me, it, you know, if, if I'm going to sing at home, that just makes my heart happy and that's beautiful. But what I really hope to do is connect with someone else and share yes. an energy, yeah. you know, have this energy share between two people or between, you know, a group of people. And what I noticed at the, the Hollywood gig was it started to be a little bit of a challenge for me because I wasn't receiving that energy back. You know, mm. you're singing for traveling people that are coming in and going out. And I thought, I really need to come up with something yeah. so that I can actually book performances, mm. you know, and shows. And so I was trying to think, what would I record? What would I come up with? How could I create something that I wanted to perform? Yeah. Something that I was passionate about and not just, you know, put calling standards, right. you know, for an hour and a half or two hours on, yeah. on a gig. And I looked at a lot of jazz singers and what they normally do is they go to the Great American Songbook and they choose 10 or 15 songs mm -hmm. uh, and then they work with an arranger to come up with what their sound is and they record that and that's their debut album. And so for the longest time, I was trying to figure out what that would look like for me. Mm. And I was struggling. And what I realized is it wasn't authentically me. I grew up on country music, right? I didn't grow up on the songbook. I mean, we sang Misty. We sang It Ain't, you know, it, 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 if it ain't got that swing. We sang, um, you know, some of those classics through my, my youth. Yeah but it wasn't something in my bones. Right. And I, you know, Saturday mm -hmm. mornings I go to yoga, I come home mm -hmm. and I have a little bit of a vinyl collection that I get from Amoeba and I like to explore new singers. So I come home and put a Julie London record on or put oh, a yes. June Christie record yes. or, you know, Nancy or Sarah or Ella or anyone. And this particular Saturday, it was, if I remember correctly, it was like October of 2015. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I came home and I reached in my vinyl and my hand landed on this green and gold greatest hits Patsy Cline vinyl. And I thought, you know what, let's go back to Patsy. I haven't played this in a while. And I, now, meanwhile, I grew up on this mm. and I put the, the, the album in the player and the minute the needle dropped on the vinyl, mm. a light bulb went off. Why not go back to my roots and find something that's authentic to me? Love it. I knew these songs. I didn't have to learn the lyrics. I didn't have to, um, you know, learn the melodies. I knew them. Yeah. They were like on the back of my hand. And so that next week I went into my lesson with Michelle Weir and I said, Michelle, I have an idea and it's kind of crazy, pun intended. Um, <laughs> what about taking country music standards and using them for my basis of my album instead of jazz standards? Yeah. And could we look at the country music, the Nashville songbook as another great American songbook? Absolutely. And so the idea was born to create my Patsy Cline songbook, which is my debut album mm -hmm. uh, coming out later this month, August 23rd. And I couldn't be more happy about it. 
Yeah. And I started, so I started the arrangements. I'm sorry, you asked me how the Kickstarter came about. Well, this was back in 2015 and I started with Michelle on four arrangements. Yeah. And in 2016, in February, I was planned to go to Brazil for a workshop called Jazz Meets Samba. Mm. And I knew I wanted to include a couple of bossa novas. So in Brazil, I worked with a woman named Celia Vaz and Celia arranged two bossa novas for me. Mm -hmm. So I came back at 2016 and I had four, I had six arrangements in my hand already. Wow. So uh, what happened was I wanted, I felt a disconnect with the musicians and I wanted to build relationships with musicians and get a little bit more entrenched with the community here mm. and with the Great American Songbook. And so I took a little departure from my Patsy Klein project to celebrate Ella Fitzgerald. Mm. And I did 100 songs in 100 days uh, leading up to her 100th birthday wow. in 2017. Wow. And that was a pretty massive undertaking. But we ended up at Vitello's, which is a local club here in uh, Studio City. And we did a sellout show. Wow. And the proceeds went to the Ella Fitzgerald Foundation. And, um, and then the end of 2017, I was like, okay, let's get back in this. We've got six tunes. Let's get them trapped. And so January of 2018... I took up off a couple of vacation days from my job mm -hmm. and I went into the studio and we tracked six of the songs for my Patsy Cline album. Wow. While I was still at Sony. Yeah. And, you know, to me, I, I needed that. I needed to mm -hmm. show that this project was moving forward. I needed to keep it going. But finally, in August, you know, it was my miles, leave it to one of these milestone birthdays to really kick it into gear, right? Oh my right? gosh, yeah. And, and I remember just being like, Stacy, if you're not going to do it now, when are you going to do it? When are you going to follow your dreams? When are you going to go after it? Mm. You know, and my biggest thing was, and this might have happened a couple years earlier, but it was giving myself permission. Yes. Because listen, you know, I'm not Whitney Houston. I'm not Patsy Klein. Mm. I am not Ella Fitzgerald. I am Stacy Griesbach. And, you know, part of it is being okay with that. Yes. And knowing that what I present is going to be authentically me mm. and that someone may not resonate with it. Someone may love it. Yeah. Um, and that, that was a big thing for me because part of it was, you know, while I performed throughout my college, I didn't get a university degree. Mm. you know, in music performance. So does society then give me permission or do I need to have that degree? You know, did I need to be a struggling musician for 20 years growing up in this before I said it's okay to do an album? Yeah. You know, there were a lot of mind games happening over the last couple of years, if I'm being very vulnerable and honest in yeah. this, in that, you know, I really had to say it's okay for me to do what I can do right now. Yeah. Oh my God. You know, and, and that was thing. so powerful. It, well, it's, it is. And you know, the other thing I have to give shout out to Ms. Diana Krall mm. because love her. <laughs> love her. <laughs> I mean, right. I mean, she's sort of, you know, a, 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 another hero. Um, but she was playing at Segerstrom center and I was down in Irvine and she, you know, I'd like, I'd love for her to talk a little bit more on shows because I just want to hear more about her stories and, and her, her life. But one story that she offered up 
was that she said, you know, we're here at Segerstrom Center and I have such fond memories of this area because when I first came down from Canada, I performed at the Marriott across the street. Oh my gosh. And I had all these, I had all these head games going on about performing in a hotel. Mm. And literally it was after that show when she said it, that I reached out to the Lowe's in Hollywood to see if I could get a gig. Oh my gosh. So this concept of, this concept of do we hold ourselves back is kind of a big question. I mean, on a daily basis, I sort of could ask myself that. And, you know, I, I just had to, my biggest hurdle in this entire process has been giving myself permission to do something I've wanted to do. And I would just, I, I can't underline that enough mm. because we fear what someone else is going to say. Are we not good enough? Yes. Are we not strong enough? You know, are, is our, are our vocals right? Yeah. You know, are we, are we using enough chest voice? Are we using enough head voice? Are we, where are, where are we in the mix? Are we enunciating right? Is our style right? I mean, as artists, we, and I don't know if every artist feels this way, but for me, I feel like my art has been, and maybe it's because I've repressed it for so long Mm. that I feel this a little bit strong, maybe stronger than others. I don't know, Mm. but I, that was my biggest turning point. And then once I gave myself permission and then I launched my Kickstarter and that yeah. was really my biggest permission because now I've publicly said, hey, I'm doing this. Love it. Love it. Oh, my God. Hey, people of the world, I'm doing this. And here's what, here's what I'm doing. And now you can hold me accountable. Mm. I, think that's, you know? I think that's awesome. And it's like at a certain point, it's like you're saying, you have to, nobody else is going to, you know, uh, give you permission or really give you anything. I mean, like, what is that even supposed to look like? What is it supposed to sound like? What is it going to, what are they going to say? You know, I, I can't even, I so relate to that because I can't even tell you how many head games I've played with myself and how many people have, you know, really given me validation, <laughs> you know, but it hasn't been enough. So like when, and because I'll still play those head games with myself. So it's just like, what will be enough? You know, you're just going to have to accept yourself and allow yourself to do the things you want to do and be open to whatever mistakes you're going to make and, you know, and then just keep it, keep it moving, you know, just get on the road, detour if you have to, you know, (laughs) drive around the roadblock. We'll take this metaphor as far as it'll go, but like, you know, (laughs) just get on the road and stay on it. I, you know, so I love that you have to give yourself permission. That is the voice that matters. You know, yours is the, you know, I, I think so. I mean, at the end of the day, we're the only ones responsible for our actions. Yes. You know, and, um, and, and, and part of it was also this desire of following my dreams. And, you know, really, ever since I was a kid, you know, going to the state fairs and watching, you know, whether it be Alan Jackson or Faith Hill up on stage, you know, I knew I, I, I wanted to do this. And, you know, so you know, this concept of, you know, do we wait for someone else to open the door for us? Yeah. Or do we just open the door? And I think, you know, I, I've had to, you know, the process of recording this album has had its own uh, ups and downs. Yeah. Um, And, you know, part of it has been me 
you know, being okay with understanding this is a snapshot of where I am right now. Yeah. Um, you know, and I've heard that's another famous kind of talking point for, for a lot of professional musicians is, you know, they don't like to hear their records back because mm-hmm. they've moved on from where their performance is. Yeah. And, um, you know, I've, so I have to realize this is my first yeah. This is the first time I've ever been in front of a microphone in a recording wow. studio, you know, pulling musicians together and, you know, then to produce it all by myself. Mm. It was a little overwhelming. I mean, there were times during this process where I was like, wait, am I really recording an album? Is this really going to happen? And am I, is this going <laughs> to, is this train going to leave the station? You know? Yeah. Amazing. I and didn't realize so, you were yeah. uh, kind of, doing it by yourself. I didn't realize that. Yeah, I, um, well, you know, I think part of it was I had a clear vision of what I wanted this project to be. Yeah. And so I, I knew what I wanted it, what I wanted the end result to be. I just needed to get the right steps laid in, in between my, you know, the dream and the vision to how the album looks and on the, in the finished stage. And so, you know, it, it was a process. I mean, you know, one of the things I will suggest and, and that worked for me very well was, you know, reaching out and asking for help and reaching yes. out and asking, you know, um, for instance, Michelle, uh, who did the first four arrangements for me, got in a really busy time period. And I said, Michelle, listen, would you have another arranger that you would recommend for me? Who, who might you suggest given my style and what I'm looking to do? Yeah. And I was fortunate she recommended Tamir Hendelman. Oh, yeah. uh, for those that don't know Tamir, I mean, he has he's worked with some of the great singers here in this city. Yeah. And, you know, working with him was just an incredible joy. Um, and then I also worked with Jeremy Siskind, hmm. uh, another beautiful piano player and arranger who teaches at Fullerton. Um, I worked with Josh Nelson. Uh, oh, yeah. Josh was able to perform or um he actually played on the track as well but he arranged one song for me and then um who am i missing michelle and then salia vaz down in brazil tamir Mm -hmm. jeremy siskin and josh nelson so you know i had five arrangers i had nearly 20 musicians wow here in los angeles uh we had three different recording sessions obviously the one in 2018 and then we had two in 2019 mm-hmm. to finish out the album. And then I had kind of a dream opportunity, another stalking. I guess, you know, this is not uh, supposed to be a, a promotion for, <laughs> you know, uh, for that. But, you know, I do think there's something to be said for, you know, really uh, thinking through who the musicians are or who the talent is you want to have on your album. Mm-hmm. And then and then approaching them from an authentic way. So I'm I'm thrilled to have both Bob Shepard, who is one of the top saxophone players uh, here in Los Angeles and around the world on my album. But also I reached out to Stuart Duncan, who is, you know, arguably one of the best fiddle and violin players in the world. Mm -hmm. And I, I knew I wanted that juxtaposition of strong jazz interpretation and instrumentation yes. and country music instrumentation. Yes. And so, you know, I, I asked 
and I presented what I was doing in an authentic way. And I'm still pinching myself that they said yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. You know, I, I love Patsy Cline, love jazz, love the melding of the two. I think that is, that's really fantastic. And, you know, just to listen, I mean, it just works so well. That's all I can say. Everybody's just going to have to listen. It really works. It really did. And you've got these like amazing, you know, I think also just going in and know what you, knowing what you want uh, mm -hmm. is huge. You know, I can't always say I've always walked into, well, I'll say I've walked in and know what I wanted and then just got something. God knows, you know, it, it always ended up working out, but sometimes it just goes and it, you know, a completely sideways direction and sometimes that's good and sometimes it's bad but <laughs> you know so going in and knowing well, what you want is just like one of the biggest things but go ahead well you're you're right in the sense that and even though i knew what i want what knew what i wanted when we were in the recording session like uh for instance the recording session where we tracked crazy yeah we did a few different versions and you know what is something just wasn't clicking to me and i just couldn't figure it out couldn't figure it out yeah and finally the third take or was it crazy or was it leaving on your mind now I can't remember. I think it might have been Leaving on Your Mind, where the drummer, Kevin Canner, was playing drums, fantastic drummer. Mm -hmm. And I was trying to figure out what it was, and I realized he was using the sticks. And I was feeling more just brushes. Mm. And it was that that it, it, small detail, but a big detail, right? Yes. In terms of the overall feel, yes. in terms of the overall groove. And so we kind of walked through the chart and, you know, made some modifications on certain, you know, when, when we pick up sticks, when we go to brushes and that field changed. And then I ended up using that final track that we did. I think we did, you know, maybe three takes that on that one and we used the final one. Love it. So, I, I mean, I do think that, you know, there were some things that changed like that. And then also, you know, Walking After Midnight, which was my first single, uh, Jeremy Siskind created the arrangement. And, you know, I had a few questions on it. And he said, Stacy, just wait till you get in the studio. And I said, well, I said, I'm, I'm totally, you know, interested in seeing where this goes. And I asked Bob Shepard, would you stay on? You know, this was a couple hours after his call time. Mm -hmm. And he was willing to do it. And he came in and tore the thing apart. And I remember sitting in the tracking session just being like, is this really happening? Wow. Like it totally blew my mind and took it in a very different place than I even had dreamed the song could go. So I think there is this balance of like knowing what you really want the song to be or what your vision is, mm. but then being flexible enough to yes. listen to something else. You know, my biggest thing is get two takes. If you're in, you know, now that I understand the recording process a little bit more and the, the expenses related to it, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'd say get, get two options, you know, try something. So you've got something in your back pocket, yes. you know, but I was, I was fortunate enough that, you know, the decisions we made in the moment, you know, seemed to be what worked. Yes, that's true. That, that flexibility. I mean, yeah, you got to know what you want, but you've definitely got to be open and flexible. But, you know, you, you brought up the fact that, you know, Patsy Cline and this, the, the, the fact that this music works so well in the jazz idiom. Yeah. And, you know, I will share with you, I mean, I'm getting some really strong positive feedback, which is very, you know, very nice to hear. But it is sort of fueling this bigger conversation that, you know, I do think we could look to 
you know, Nashville as a, another way to look at, you know, standards and could we explore different, different uh, genres coming together? I mean, jazz yes. specifically has been, you know, the, the heart of, you know, the open door policy of music, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, there are no rules, right? Mm -hmm. Apparently. Uh, and, you know, the concept of, you know, R&B and the concept of rap, both of those genres have sort of blended with jazz already. Um, and we've seen a little bit, you know, I've, I've, I've done a lot of research and there's a lot on the musical or instrumentation side, like John Schofield and Bill Frizzell, a lot of guitar players, mm. uh, it seems. And so, you know, my intention was really to bring this to light from a vocal perspective. And, you know, to me, I feel like if Patsy Cline lived, uh, you know, an, further in her career, maybe she would have uh, partnered with Ella Fitzgerald or Frank Sinatra for one of those TV specials. Yeah. She was already crossing over into the pop world. And so, you know, I think I'm, I'm hoping to open people's minds to this concept a little bit in general. Yeah. You know, I, I, there's so, uh, there is a big similarity to me uh, between the voices of Ella and, and Patsy. Uh, just clear as a bell, just natural, you know, beautiful singers who could just probably drop into anywhere and, you know, sing just about anything they wanted to sing. So, you know, uh, yeah, naturally, I, I feel like if she'd, she'd lived, you know, long enough, she would have eventually probably done a jazz record, you know, for sure. I mean, who knows, right? Yeah, it's fun yes. to think about. Yeah. Um, so awesome. So you've got this record. It's coming out August 23rd, correct? August 23rd, the full album. Um, I've got two singles out now, Walking After Midnight and Sweet Dreams. Love it. I can't. It's so, you know, I, I have to work on Alexa, though. I've been telling her to play Stacey Griesbach. And she, she, she can't figure out where Stacey Griesbach <laughs> is in Amazon Music. So I've got to work on that. But um, no, it's just surreal to be able to go to iTunes or Spotify and type in my name yeah. and have it pop up with this artist profile. I mean, I know I probably sound a little bit um, enthusiastic for a lot of your listeners who've already been down this road, but mm. they maybe can think back to their first time when they've done it. It's really exciting. Yeah. Awesome. And so uh, those are the places we can find it, I suppose. Uh, where, can, where will we be able to find it? Yeah, iTunes, Amazon, yeah. Spotify, um, you know, the physical will be available through CD Baby and then also Amazon, I believe. Um, and August 27th, for those here in Los Angeles, I'll be doing a show, a feature show at the Catalina Jazz Club. Nice. Uh, so Tamir Hendelman and Bruce Foreman, Nick Ornelas on bass, Jake Reed on drums, uh, and I'm hoping to have a few, you know, auxiliary players coming in uh, to add some specialty sounds as well. So very it should be a fun night. Nice. Yeah, that's going to be very cool. I will be there. Um, so this is great. Do you have a, a website up? I, I do. Every, um, you can visit stacygriesbach.com. It's S-T-A-C-I and then G-R-I-E-S-B-A-C-H.com. And there'll, I'll have you know, hopefully some additional tour dates up. I'm planning to go down to Nashville mm -hmm. as well. Um, nice. You know, to me, part of this is about reaching Patsy Cline fans as well as introducing jazz fans to country music. I think, you know, there's a lot of metaphor with bridging the gaps between, you know, country and jazz and bridging, 
you know, the genres bridging the fans and, you know, um, seeing what we can do to, to pull these two uh, seemingly unfamiliar territories together, even though yeah. they share a lot more similarity than, than one may think at the first blush. Absolutely. Well, this was really awesome. This was so fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us today and just sharing your story. I'm so excited about uh, your record that's, uh, you know, upcoming. And, you know, I guess my last question for you would be like, what do you kind of see for yourself sort of in the future? Are you, you're, I know you're exploring this music and everything. Are you, um, I don't know, what are you seeing for yourself in the future? Well, you know, I wish we had these crystal balls because I know. boy, I would, <laughs> I would, I would be, you know, what do you do, rub it or you polish it? Um, you know, I, I mean, my hope is to really explore, um, you know, this country and jazz crossover genre. I've already, you know, I'm not even finished putting out my Patsy Cline album and I'm already thinking about some of these other country music icons that we can explore mm. in jazz. Um, you know, that said, I, I, you know, I don't know. Um, you know, will I, will I venture back into a corporate job? Will I venture into a consulting world? Will I be touring and get a booking agent and, and, you know, find myself traveling around the world performing music? I mean, that'd be a dream come true. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I think for, for everyone here, I think we have to strive. We have to, we have to pursue our dreams to the best of our ability. Mm. you know, and, and that's, that's my hope. Um, but you know, I have no idea what the future will bring. Yeah. If you asked me, if you asked me, you know, five years ago, would I have a Patsy Klein album in my hands? Yeah. I don't know what I would have said. I would have said, well, maybe because I knew I wanted to go in that direction, but yeah. I think, I think we have to, you know, be as prepared as we possibly can. Mm -hmm. And, follow our gut, follow our intuition, listen to our inner voices. You know, it's so easy. I'm going to have to listen to myself back on here because it's so easy to say. I know. It's much harder to do. Yeah. And so, you know, my hope is, yeah, my hope is that people will dig my music and they'll dig the concept and that, you know, there'll be more, more music to share and, and uh, talk about in, in, uh, podcasts to come. I love it. Okay. Well, thank you. That's, this was great. Thank you so much. That's awesome. Jamila, thank you so much. And, and thank you for all your work here uh, locally in the community, just building a sense of community and building, um, you know, a resource for, for everyone. You know, I, I put on your podcast as I go walking here in Santa Monica and I learn something new from every conversation. And I think it's a, it's a tremendous thing what you're doing. So Please keep it up. Uh, thank you. I will. I love to hear that. Thanks so much. Oh, my gosh, you guys. I hope you enjoyed that. I certainly did. I loved all of this. <laughs> this was just, I feel like this is um, so, like I said, so many of our stories. And this is where a lot of us are at. And this is why so many of us are listening, you know, Um and I really hope that this inspires you to go for what you want to go for with your singing, you know, whether it is finally taking those lessons, finally writing those songs, finally getting some songs arranged, booking those shows, recording that record, um, reaching out to musicians, 
just doing all of it. And as I say that to you, I say it to myself because, you know, one big fear that I've had is booking more shows. It's been it's kind of a little tough in L.A. to, you know, deal with all of that. But um, I feel like I need to get brave and just do it. That's something I've been kind of eh about doing because I've had so many weird experiences. And if you've booked in L.A., you know what I mean. Um, but I'm going to do it and I think it's going to be okay. (laughs) I'm actually going to follow up with someone that I, I, I messaged, uh, uh, the day before yesterday, hadn't heard back from, I'm going to actually call them. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm sure you'll be hearing soon enough that I'm doing a show here, but you know, I've had a lot of, uh, it's sometimes discouraging. I will say that I'll be really vulnerable and say that. Um, so I'm really inspired by, you know, what Stacy has talked about doing her Ella Fitzgerald show and doing this Patsy Cline record and, you know, really thinking about her songs, really taking it all to heart, um, really digging in because it can be so it's just it can be such a scary thing that you don't want to dig in because you've been hurt so much that you want to like back off from it. You know, that's been my experience. There have been months even like years where I've just kind of backed off um you know from music because certain experiences have been so painful and you know I've had to really build uh some grit (laughs) you know you need it but you also need that support system you need those friends who are doing what you're doing you need that community that can um help to you know, build you up. And that's really what um, I'm trying to do with this podcast and what I'm trying to do with these events. And, you know, I'm really thinking about um, more things that we can do together and more ways that we can just be inspired to do what we love. And it's just, it seems like the simplest thing in the world to just get together and, and talk, but it is really a powerful thing to have that connection, especially you know, in a place where we're so spread out and we get so much, um, we get so pulled in like many different directions. And we've also got this tunnel vision and we're trying to focus and all of this. So when, if we can like, you know, keep reconnecting to each other, that is one of the most powerful things that we can do. So I, you know, just meeting Stacy has made it like totally worth it to do, you know, this podcast. It's exactly, you know, um, just the kind of story that I want to hear and that I want to tell. And I'm excited to share it with you. And I really hope you guys are inspired by it. So um, as far as the listener spotlight, please uh, email me, jamila at jamilaford.com. I will either, you know, I may give a mention of your story. I may even feature you on, on the show. But I would love to hear, you know, um, what you've gone through in your singing journey and how uh, the podcast has kind of inspired you um, on your journey. Um any guests that have, you know, left an impression, um, any actionable um, advice that you've gotten, any steps that you've taken um, because you've heard um, one of the guests on the show. You know, I've gotten so much inspiration um, from everybody 
And so much so that I've got to kind of sift a little bit and just kind of just make a couple of decisions because I can't do everything all at once. Um, but, you know, I want to hear what you've been going through and just how um, you've been using this information. How is it working in your life? Um, let me know. I want to hear from you, but I was really inspired by Stacy's episode to do more episodes like this. Um, and, uh, you know, I want to know everybody who's listening. I want to know what you're going through and all of that. So, guys, I can't even uh, tell you again how much I've enjoyed this. Um, and I really hope you did, too. I really hope you were inspired by it. I, I definitely was. I definitely was. And in case you didn't know... You can get all of the links that we talked about, um, info about Stacy's upcoming release, um, her upcoming show, and her website link, and Instagram links, and all of that at theworkingsingerpodcast.com. It'll be right there on the homepage. You'll have everything all in one place, and you can click on those links and learn more about Stacy. So excited. So, guys, I enjoyed this. I love you, I appreciate you, and I will talk to you again next week.